The reading today is from Revelation chapter 21, all 27 verses, and then continuing with the first five verses of chapter 22. A new heaven and a new earth. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the Holy Spirit, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away, he will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. Those who are victorious will inherit all this, and I will be their God and they will be my children. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, idolaters, and all liars, they will be consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulfur, which this is the second death. The new Jerusalem, the bride of the Lamb. One of the seven angels who had the seven bowls full of the seven last plagues came and said to me, Come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. And he carried me away in the spirit to a mountain great and high, and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. It shone with the glory of God, and its brilliance was like that of a precious jewel, like a jasper, clear as crystal. It had a great high wall with twelve gates, and with twelve angels at the gates. On the gates were written the names of the twelve tribes of Israel. There were three gates on the east, three on the north, three on the south, and three on the west. The wall of the city had twelve foundations, and on them were the names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. The angel talked with me, and a measuring rod of gold, gold, to, gold to measure the city, its gates, and its walls. The, t- the city was laid out like a square as long as it was wide. He measured the city with the rod and found it to be 12,000 stadia in length and as wide and as high as it's long, as it is long. He measured its wall and it was 144 cubits thick by human measurement, which the angel was using. The wall was made of jasper, the city of pure gold and as pure as glass. The foundations of the city walls were decorated with every kind of precious stone. The first foundation was jasper, the second sapphire, the third agate, the fourth emerald, the fifth onyx, the sixth ruby, 
the seventh chrysolite, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth turquoise, the eleventh jason, and the twelfth amethyst. The twelve gates were twelve pairs, pearls, each gate made of a single pearl. The great street of the city was gold, as pure as transparent glass. I did not see a temple in the city, because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives its light, and the Lamb its lamp. The nations will walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their splendor into it. On no day will its gates ever be shut, for there will be no night there. The glory and honor of the nations will be brought into it. Nothing impure will ever enter it, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Chapter 22, Eden Restored. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing twelve crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will serve him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. They will not need the light of the lamp or the light of the sun, for the Lord God will give them light, and they will reign forever and ever. Amen. Thank you. So, Kat's uh, going to come and unpack that a bit for us now. Um, this kind of wonderful, rich uh, passage. Um, let's pray for her as she comes. Lord God, the uh, story we've been working through over the last few weeks, the story of the Bible, of your project to bring all creation back into worship of you, is so inspiring and awesome and uh, demands a lifetime of study. We pray that uh, our understanding will be deepened this morning, that you'll bless Kath and uh, the work she's put into this morning, and that you'll speak through her, that we might know the hope of creation restored. Amen. Thanks. Good morning. Revelation can be a difficult book. It's packed full of pictures and symbols, metaphors, with debate over what it means, what is literal, what's not. It can feel uncomfortable, inaccessible, and difficult to understand. 
Some people spend a disproportionate amount of their lives thinking about it and trying to work it out. Many of us just avoid it. Revelation offers encouragement to Christians who suffer persecution, but it is a call to repent, to stir the complacent, to follow Christ sacrificially, and to love God and each other. Revelation is a book of challenge, but ultimately of hope and encouragement. God is not inaccessible, and what Revelation showed to churches throughout history and today is the message of God with us, God's enduring passion to dwell with us. We've looked over the past few weeks at some of the examples showing heaven touching earth, God's desire to be together, and where God has reached out to dwell in the midst of his people. It began perfectly, a perfect heaven and earth. God's dwelling place and human's dwelling place was one. But sin led to separation. In time came the tabernacle, made in beauty, to remind people of the garden and how things should have been. But God's intense glory had to be veiled. And then the temple, again decorated with images from the garden. God dwelt in the Holy of Holies behind a curtain. No one could see God's face. Then we looked at Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. Heaven walking on earth. As David said, a man that everywhere his feet touched, the shoots of the garden began to grow. And last week we thought about us, the church, who has a God who does immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine, and through him demonstrates heaven to the community. The culmination of God's desire to be together appears in the verses we've read today from Revelation. The ultimate victory has been won by the Lamb of God, by his blood. Finally, there is the perfecting of God's purposes for the world, making all things new with a new heaven and earth, a perfect place where God and humans can dwell together as was always the intention. Philip Yancey puts it like this. In a nutshell, the Bible from Genesis 3 to Revelation 22 tells the story of a God reckless with desire to get his family back. This final plan, this final heaven-earth combination is a place of enormous hope and joy. No more death or mourning or pain. God himself will wipe away every tear. Gone are the walking sticks, the glasses, the hearing aids, the medication. Gone are the anxieties and the worries. The new Jerusalem is a perfect cube, reflecting the shape of the Holy of Holies at the heart of the original temple in Jerusalem. So the whole, whole of heaven becomes the Holy of Holies, the place where God dwells with his people 
and we dwell with him. Because of Jesus, we enter the inner sanctuary behind the curtain and once again see God face to face. Despite the detailed descriptions of an opulent city and glorious garden, none of us can truly begin to fathom what that final creation will be like. (coughs) It is beyond imagination. C.S. Lewis talked of the common orange that no one could have imagined it before they tasted it. How much less heaven... What we do know is that this creation is full of God, it's glorious, it's good, and it's full of things which are good. There is some beautiful imagery in the last of the Narnia Chronicles. After the last battle, there is a new world that looks like, but yet is not like the original. More colours. More like the real thing, a sense that our own world was a shadow or a copy of something in this new real world. A place where you can run without getting tired and can't feel afraid even if you want to. I have come home at last. This is my real country. I belong here. This is the land I have been looking for all my life, though I never knew it till now. The reason why we love the old Narnia is that it sometimes looked a little like this. In the new heavens and earth, all things will be new, but not necessarily unfamiliar. As David said, it will look like this, but godier. In 2012, one of our church home groups wrote a poem influenced by a poem called New Glasgow, which may help with that idea. A vision of Camborne. I saw heaven and earth new created. I saw Camborne finally finished, descending resplendent out of heaven. The sun glinting off Whomping Willow Lake and reflecting on the glass-fronted buildings in the business park, bringing light, hope and purpose to every aspect of the people's lives. I heard a voice thunder from the throne. Look, look, God has moved into Camborne, making his home with men and women. And all the sickness was gone from the town, The doctor's surgery was full of people smiling and laughing. The blind were reading aloud to the deaf. And those who had been lame were dancing and singing in the library. And there was no need for cosmetic surgery. Everyone was happy in their own body. And all around, spontaneous acts of love and kindness were breaking out. No alarms ever sounded. There were no locks on any doors because there was no more crime. Beside the police station and the fire station, officers were tending to a thriving garden full of juicy vegetables. And in the heart of the town, children danced around the tree of life, growing where the oak leaf sculpture used to be, on the green in Great Camborne. There was no rude graffiti in the playground, no antisocial behaviour, no drunken arguments, no fighting. 
because there was no more boredom, no more loneliness, no more hate. And I saw women walking safe at night, saw the men were full of passion and gentleness, that none of the children were ever abused. There was no more fear or worry, but everywhere there was love. And I saw an old woman throw back her head and laugh like a young girl. She was so alive. They were all so much more alive. And the community came together, not out of a sense of duty, but because they really loved each other. No one was left out, yet everybody had the space to think their own thoughts, to take it all in, and to be the people they were really meant to be. Because each person was different. Each person was special. In the power of the Spirit, each had played their part in finishing building Camborne as God's town. Because they were the living stones that built Camborne. And the town was filled with the sound of worship and alive with praise. God had moved into the neighbourhood. It's a wonderful vision, but just as David spoke of the Garden of Eden being too far away, too removed, so that we may not see it as relevant, similarly we can view these ideas as an, of a new heaven and earth as too far in some unknown distant future to affect us much. We perhaps reflect that heaven is only about what happens to us when we die, so we delay thinking about it to a time in the future when we may or may not think more deeply about death. But heaven is God's dwelling place, and the reality of heaven on earth is relevant now and should affect us all now. This series of heaven touching earth could have gone on for years, looking at the encounters, the dreams, prophecies, visions and prayers, abundant in the Bible, but beyond. God is not contained, and we all have the capacity to know heaven touching earth. The early Celtic Christians talked of thin places, these are sacred places where the sense of God's presence is more vibrant, that the gap between heaven and earth is somehow thin, that God is just a breath away. A thin place is an environment that helps us to think and see as God does, so transforming us. It inspires us to listen to the Spirit and be honest before God. A place where we particularly feel a greater understanding of the nature of God and our relationship with him. Retreat centres such as Lawn Abbey or the island of Iona may be classic examples of thin places. However, for many of us, regularly visiting this type of environment is impractical. But we can claim a place, create our own environment, set aside to be sanctified as a thin place. A top of Crow Hill, a certain walk, 
a certain chair, five minutes kneeling beside a sleeping baby, a certain corner of a certain coffee shop. Understanding those ways in which we can be closer to God enables us to be filled by him. So then we can return to the busy or thick places in our lives with some idea of what the world can be like when bathed in heaven. And we should strive to bring about the vision of this, the world as God intended in the places that we live and work, in the pub, in the playground, pockets of heaven, the kingdom breaking into the world. Jesus taught us to pray, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. God, make up there, come down here. Lord, use me to make things down here run the way they do up there. Because even in the midst of walking sticks, glasses, hearing aids, medication, anxieties and worries, our God is with us. And until God's new creation becomes a reality, the way that heaven touches earth now is by his spirit through his people. You and me, making an intentional and unrelenting declaration of love on our homes and our communities. In Jesus' name. Amen.